In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Liber Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Yes Romero, Kyle Clement, welcome to the show. Uh, as Catholics, today is uh, in the new calendar. It is the Feast of St. Luke, the Evangelist, the beloved physician, uh, author of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and also today, let's not forget that the month of October, it's dedicated to the Holy Rosary, the entire month of October. It's, do, it's dedicated to the Holy Rosary. Make sure you're praying the Rosary every day. There's a lot to pray about. And don't forget to pray for uh, the peace in Jerusalem, the peace in the Holy Land, and, uh, and for the cessation of this war. I uh, want to welcome Kyle Clement to the show. He's here a couple of times, a couple of Wednesdays a month. Welcome, Kyle, to the show, my friend. There's a lot to talk about. Hey, good morning, Jesse. How are you? Great, great. Kyle, I'm going to go... I'm gonna, I got a macro question here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it to you like a hot potato. Okay. So we know that because of the patriarchal structure, you know, the, the Bible in the book of Exodus, chapter twenty and thirty-two, tell us that the sins of a father <clears throat> go down to the third and fourth generation, or affect the third and fourth generation, and uh, the blessings of the father. Uh, effect all the way down to the thousandth generation. So we see that God wants to bless us a lot more than he wants to chastise us by far. So having said that, having that biblical principle, and we even see the the power or the effects of patriarchal sin with original sin, with the sin of Adam, uh, the first man. And we have something called original sin now. And it results of original sin the human race, as a result of Adam's sin, all of us are born with original sin, this privation of sanctifying grace. So we see the power of, of grace and, and even chastisement that flows from, from uh, the patriarchy. So having said that, I'm kind of concerned, Kyle, and I want to know if, if, if you can allay my fears or am I concerned uh, justifiably? And I say this because... Cindy McCain uh, appears to give Pope Francis a pagan idol during a Vatican audience. And, and there's a picture of this idol. It's described by Gloria TV. It's uh, got a black mask, a bloody knife. They call it a Kachina doll. And this is the figure that represents evil spirits worshipped by Native American Hopi people. And uh, some Kachinas depict this doll. They call it Yo. It's a Hopi who reportedly killed and beheaded a Franciscan priest. Uh, some other people are saying that this doll is called Soyoko Mana. Uh, nonetheless, it's a pagan doll. Second thing that concerns me, Kyle, and, uh, and, and here's where I want you to put your liver crystal bifocals, is Cardinal Burke told us a while back ago that diabolical forces had entered St. Peter's Basilica through the Pachamama idolatry. 
uh, and Cardinal Raymond Burke says that an idol was introduced in a St. Peter's Basilica, the figure of a demonic force. There's also hundreds of priests and lay Catholic scholars who have called Pope Francis to repent for the Pachamama idolatry at the Amazonian Synod. And then the third thing that concerns me is Pope Francis a couple of years a couple of years ago, think back in like in uh, I think 2015, he received a communist crucifix from the, the from the communist president of Bolivia, Evo Morales. He's no longer the president. I think he's been replaced. But he gave him a communist crucifix at the presidential palace in La Paz, Bolivia. Uh, the crucifix, it, it has Christ on it, carved uh, on, on a hammer and a sickle. <clears throat> and uh, I, I would have thought that the Pope probably would have rebuked something like this, but no, he accepted it. So here, here's my question. What concerns me, since the Pope is our, the spiritual patriarch of Christianity, the buck stops with him. And to me, I'm just, I'm just being a juror here. I'm just kind of being observant. It, it seems like he has a proclivity and a penchant to accept and receive idols. I mean, if somebody gave me these gifts, I would throw them away forth. I, I wouldn't even receive. I said, what are you giving me? No, I don't think so. Put it back. Take it back to your car. Because if you leave it here for one second, it's going to the trash. You insult me with this. Uh, so my question is, I'm just wondering if a Pope, because again, the buck stops with him. He's the vicar of Christ. I'm wondering if he's opened a demonic portal to the Catholic church and to the world. And I say that because we find ourselves right now at, at war, Ukraine, Gaza, they're talking about Taiwan, uh, being the next war. The, the world is in flames right now. And we know that Our Lady of Fatima says that war is a punishment for sin. My question is, I mean, you are the expert on spiritual warfare for, in, in the Catholic Church. Uh, there, there's no lay person that's more informed than you are on spiritual warfare. Am I onto something or am I sensationalizing this? Uh, the fact that, uh, I don't know, maybe these actions could, could have opened the door uh, to some to some wretched demonic spirits. And now we find ourselves, we find the world at war. We find the world in flames right now. Well, you're definitely on to something, Jess, and you lay out a very good and concise uh, case. <clears throat> so let's look at it, in it from a couple of different perspectives. From the first perspective is um, the grace which flows through the church. The church is a conduit of grace. All grace flows through the sacraments, the sacraments regulated and administrated by the church. And so ultimately we go to a, to a patriarch. Uh, figure the vicar of christ which is the pope uh, at any given time grace flowing into the world is is in many ways reflective or indicative not only of the pope's holiness um but his adherence to faith tradition etc those things which have efficacy those things which have power um the other second warfare uh, spiritual warfare principle here is that there is a the more that any given Holy Father pursues the secular and pursues things that are outside the faith, to that degree is the integrity uh, of the church diminished. The integrity meaning the ability to convey grace, the ability to be a countercultural, positive, virtuous presence in the world. 
Um, and so when you apply those principles, it's easy to see, as my grandfather would say, Ray Charles can see what's going on here. Um, <laughs> this is malicious. There is a concerted effort uh, by people, regardless of what their intention may be. But there is a concerted effort to diminish the integrity of the church, to diminish the church itself, and to ultimately um, try to wreck um, the faith as we know it. It will not prevail. Christ himself said that gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through a passion. Father Ripper calls this the beginning of the passion of the church. And I think that we are in the beginning phases. I don't think we're near the end. Um, it is uh, It is always, this phrase comes back to me quite often, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Um, mm. We've got people. We've got people who are meeting in Rome in a synod, who are advocating things that are patently against the faith. There is no possibility, but they are becoming closer and closer to being reality. But while they are meeting in Rome, doing this, while they're fiddling, while they're destroying the faith, our biggest ally, our brothers, the Israelis are suffering horribly and unjustly at the hands of Saracens and others that are straight up diabolically inspired. The world should stop and deal with this. The world should stop. Um, Klaus Schwab's microphone should be turned off until we deal with these things. There should be 10,000 laymen in the in St. Peter's Square saying no more. Uh, enough. We we have seen all that needs to be seen. Enough. But we don't do that. Uh, and this was the gospel reading. Uh, you know, the idea that, that when we're quiet, when we should speak. Um, we've got plenty of examples of what should be done to be spiritually victorious, yet the battle, the Satanist the battle tends to be going to the Satanist right now. And, and we need to use terms. We need to, to talk about what things are. Satanic, by definition, is that which is in opposition to the holy will of God, which is salvation. So when you have Cindy McCain, known homosexual promoter, known promoter of depravity, show up and give to um, this Jesuit a cochina of a priest killer doll as if this is something sacred, then what's happening is this is an open insult and he's accepting it because it's not insulting him because he's in agreement with, with it. There's a lot said right there. So let me back up just a second. Hmm. Let me back up just a second. This is, this is not him being nice because every audience, every gift, everything he does is public. He is our father. This is our house. He's bringing this trash into this is our house. He's letting this deviant person into our house, bringing a, um, a nasty thing that's incompatible. Incom well, I'll ask you this, Jess, what would happen if your father, if someone showed up at your house with, with a, uh, an object that was clearly an offense to um, your culture, your family, your faith, what would your father do? Better leave that in the car because it's going to get thrown in the trash. It's going to get broken in pieces. Hold that thought, Kyle. We'll exactly. be right back. We'll be right, hold that thought. Wednesday War Caller, just remember Kyle Clement talking about the clean versus the unclean. We'll be right back.
Dan, uh, I mean, Kyle, <laughs> there's, a, there's a saying that I've heard you and Dan repeat many times, and that is that Catholics have lost their ability to, to discern the clean from the unclean, and that actually comes from, the, from a verse in the book of Leviticus. Uh, this is what I see going on here, even with the Holy Father. I, I, I think uh, these, these things concern me. He is, he's the father of Christendom, of Catholic Christendom. Uh, and the fact that he very nonchalantly just receives these idols from people that uh, have a different agenda. They have a, a worldly agenda. Again, uh, this, this idol of this, uh, this, uh, you know, this Cochino doll, this, this, this spirit that killed a Franciscan priest. Uh, the fact that uh, he was there present to the Pachamama idolatry in the Vatican gardens, saw it paraded around. It, it, all this happened with his permission. He was there. He, and then we also see that uh, he accepted a communist crucifix. These things, it, uh, on a spiritual level, these things that happen spiritually, they have to they have to affect the physicality because of the weight of his office. They have to affect the world in some way, shape, or form in a negative in a negative way. Am I onto something? Well, you're absolutely right. He has uh, he has a duty. I think this is one of the things that we see in the false nobility um, is he purports he wants to be a he turn, wants to turn this uh, position into that of a political uh, position, an influencer to change and to direct the church in a direction that's not good for the church. Obviously, that's not good for humanity. But this we, we've never seen a pope uh, in our short history that had this much of his narcissistic self uh, in the forefront. This guy is very much agenda driven. He's very much being um, using this as a bully pulpit to. And so understand that when Cindy McCain comes, she has her picture taken. This is not that he's tolerating Cindy McCain. He is promoting this. When he meets with Joe Biden, he is promoting this. When he meets with Nancy Pelosi, he is promoting that form of Catholicism. When James Martin continues to have his picture taken with prelates and with the Pope and to have communication, when good Orthodox priests are being silenced and canceled, it is clear what this man is about. Um, and it, it is, you, you can no longer, we can no longer interpret the words and actions of a prelate in the best possible light because that has not served us well. He surrounds himself with people who are despicable, detestable, uh, his, own, his own close staff. He continues to promote known homosexuals. He continues to promote people who are diametrically opposed to the tenets of the Catholic faith. He promotes them within and from without the church. He changes dicastrates. He has done, it, it's obvious what's happened um, and it's by its own purpose. It's not that this just got by him. It's not that he got bad advice. You, you got to call a spade a spade, and we're looking at a gold-plated shovel. You know, Kyle, right now all over the, uh, all over the Internet, and people are sending me this on Signal and Telegram and, and, other, uh, and other social medias, <clears throat> it's, uh, there's articles that, that are saying that the Synod, the, uh, the Synod document, openly calls it mentions the word demons in the synod document 
uh, as part of the family of, of, of God. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it here. Uh, I just, uh, I'm opening up the actual prayer, the synodal prayer. Here's the paragraph where it says it. It says, uh, okay, so this is part of the prayer. It says, what is the merciful heart? It is a heart on fire for the whole creation, for humanity, for the birds, for the animals, for demons, and for all that exists. I mean, you uh, you can read the prayer on your own. It's all, it's all over the internet. So this, the synod and synodality, they've just included demons. Talk about radical inclusiveness. They've just included demons in this whole creation of prayer, I guess, praying for the redemption of the world. Uh, this is a heresy that's already been dealt with in the Catholic Church, this this universal salvation, this uh, the fact that even demons at the end of time are going to be uh, released from hell and they're going to be redeemed and go back into heaven. Uh, th- these are fundamental errors that are being transgressed by the synod. If this tra- prayer that I'm reading right now that's all over the internet that people are sending me, if this be true, boy, oh boy, Houston, do we have problems? Yeah, it's one of many problems. I think it's it's one of many, many problems. But you've got prelates. You've got well-known broadcasting um, prelates with broad platforms, Catholics who are in error with this, uh, priests and people who even teach at exorcism, supposed exorcism institutes wow. and symposiums. They fall to this error, and and I've heard it. I've heard it espoused, and it is false. It's a heresy that's been dealt with. It's very, very clear. But the wording of the prayer is interesting because, as St. Thomas says, everything has ranking, and in order for it to be holy writ, in order for it to be correct, then it must follow this understanding of order and ranking. So in that phrase, birds are named before demons. Demons were created angels. Angels are a higher order than the birds, so they should be named first. And so this is one of the fallacies of modernism and equivocation is that all of these understanding of intellect, right order, all of this is thrown out the window for, quote, inclusion. Um, And then I'll give you the scriptural answer to this very simply is Christ himself says, who are my brothers and sisters? Those who keep my father's commandments. Mm. When when Cindy McCain shows up promoting homosexuality and giving a a kachina of a priest killer, she is not among the brethren. She is not among the sisters. Very simply, by Christ's own definition, by your works and by by their words, you will know them. This is not consistent with our faith. Now, many people want our faith to be all-inclusive. It, it is inclusive to the extent that you must wear the wedding garment to come in. You, you must wear that garment, not just being baptized, but acting as if you're baptized, keeping God's commandments. Christ is very clear. Who are my brothers and sisters? Those who keep my father's commandments. He says in another place, I come with a sword, not to unite, but to divide. If this Pope meets her at the door and says, look, neither you in your current state, nor this item may enter the Vatican, because the Vatican is that which is held in sacred trust for all the people, all the all the Catholics, all the Christians, 
those who follow Christ and follow him to the point of death. And I cannot allow this contradiction into this house. That's what a father would do. That's what a father would do. Kyle, what in, 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 in order of egregiousness, what would you say spiritually or catechetically uh, is the worst thing uh, th- that could happen? That the Pope would accept a communist crucifix? That the Pope would uh, be present at the Pachamama uh, paraliturgy in, in the Vatican Gardens? Or that the Pope received this, uh, this uh, you know, this native Kachina doll, Christ, uh, uh, priest killing Kachina doll. In the order of egregiousness, which one do you think is the more weighty? Well, I think you need to, you know, apply, uh, not my opinion, just objectively look at how would the church look at these things, which are blasphemous, which are sacrilege. Um, so technically, anything that comes within uh, the Vatican itself, anything that comes there is um, has to be consistent. And so this could be all could be termed blasphemous as a level one. Um, the other thing is, is that when the Pope is there in vestments, now this is an important distinction. Whenever he is vested, whenever he is presiding at or attending a liturgical uh, function and he is investments, he is acting in persona Christi. And so the Pachamama, he was vested um, during part of those uh, displays of the Pachamama, and he actually reverenced it. This was the problem with John Paul at the point that he kissed the Koran. Um, these are these are things that are go beyond these guys. They, it's not what they personally think, is they have to understand. Peter personally was opposed to being being crucified, but he understood his vicar of Christ. This was what was necessary. This is where we find the problems with these things. And so that's sacrilegious. And so sacrilege is always going to be the most egregious offense if you're ranking them. Got it. The other important point, the other important point to make about the Cochina and the crucifix is this, is that when gifts are given and accepted, then what there is a demon attached to those kachinas. There's a demon attached to that crucifix. Um, and the crucifix is it, that's sacrilegious as well, because that's an, a sacred image that does not, it, there shouldn't be the synchronistic melding of a cross and uh, a hammer and sickle on top of the crucifix. And so that's a sacrilegious, it's a desecration of an image, a sacred image. Um, this was what the problem was with some of the, quote, artists doing things to sacred art and to, to a crucifix. That's a form of sacrilege. And so these have, you know, these have very strict penalties, some of them under, under canon law. And this, this pope just absolutely ignores canon law unless when it suits him. But um, this guy's a wreck. He really is a wreck. <laughs> You're listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, I want to get your take on, we've got probably about another minute, we'll move on to the next topic. I want to get your take on what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, there's a lot of people that try to uh, draw some moral equivalency between Israel and uh, Hamas 
or or the or the Palestinian, uh, you know, the PLO. <clears throat> Uh, I was over there when they initiated the attacks. We were just landing. I, we turned around, came right back. Uh, so m my question, that's what I want to get your take on. Uh, there's a lot of people, especially here on the left, you know, you have all these rallies around the country of you know, young college kids, you know, saying, you know, free the plea, free Palestine, free Palestine. I don't even think they know what they're talking about. If, if these guys were over there for one second in the Gaza Strip, they would be held hostage for being Christians or for being Americans, and they would be uh, tortured and, and 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 raped and killed. So, uh, is is there a moral equivalency between Hamas's initial attacks and Israel's response? I want to get your take on the next segment. This is Wednesday War College. <clears throat> Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, stick around. And after we talk about that, we're also going to move on to another topic. I'm going to ask Kyle about uh, if uh, if Satan, if he knows anything about Satan being enthroned at the Vatican in the early 1960s. We'll talk about that as well. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the Holy Land. So long as uh, so long as the Jews and the Muslims reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, spoken of in Isaiah chapter nine, verse five. So long as both of them are blinded to the to Christ's lordship and kingship, and to the social reign of Christ. So long as that doesn't happen, there's never going to be peace in the Holy Land. But yet, I don't equate. Both of them, there's for, for me, Kyle, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not one of those persons that says, okay, two kids are fighting in, in the playground. Both of you are punished. Both of you guys threw punches. Okay, you're both, uh, you know, you, you have, you, you got to, you know, uh, stay after school and pick up trash or something. No, I'm going to ask, okay, who threw the first punch? Who provoked? Who's the bully here? Okay, what did you do? Oh, you defended yourself. You threw punches back. Okay, I get that. Okay? Yeah, people are allowed to do that. So my question to you is, do you see a moral equivalency here like a lot of people here in this country are saying, you know, uh, that uh, both sides are equally to blame? I, I, don't, I don't see that. And I, I think that, uh, I don't think that they're equally to blame. Um, we're in an area of which I do not have expertise. However, if I can apply what my experience and what I do know about the diabolical to this situation, I, I think it, it helps. It's the only way I can get my head wrapped around it. Yeah. Um, there is, um, there is a wonderful quote that was made by um, a, um, this was made in the 60s by an Israeli leader. And what they said was, we can forgive the Palestinians for killing our children. What we cannot forgive is when they make us kill their children. Mm. And, and that really gives you an insight into um, 
Jewish mindset. I think you go all the way back to the Hasmonean times when um, Judas Maccabeus, a layman with no royal bearing, rises to hero status and starts even the Hasmonean dynasty because as a layman, he stands up and says, this is wrong. Um, we're being failed by our, our priests. We're being failed by our, um, by our religious leadership. And I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I want to, there's a theme here that is consistent. So what's happening is when we're talking about the Pope allowing these things, it is the same disillusionment of a child that when they find their father in an open affair with a concubine do not mm. let these spirits in our house father don't be unfaithful don't do these things um and so when he does that when a when a father is unfaithful and puts his own agenda uh, his own misplaced pleasures or what he thinks he needs to be doing ahead of the integrity of the household there's where the patriarchy is ruptured. And that's why I'm saying this guy's a wreck. But the exact same thing can be applied to uh, Israel. Is the situation has never been dealt with in a firm and patriotic, a patriarchal manner. It's never been definitively uh, done. The world likes, li lacks the stomach to deal with the Saracen mindset, the Ishmaeli yes. mindset. Correct. They, we lack it. We, we lack what it takes. We, we lack, as Catholics, we often lack what it takes to deal with the diabolical. But it is straight up diabolical, and it is, uh, it is like any other war against God's chosen people. The diabolically inspired opponent will prevail when Israel is not right with God, when they are right with God, they are unassailable. Amen. Let me move on to another topic here, something that interests me. <clears throat> well, it should interest anybody who's Catholic. Uh, I've got an article here from Lightside. It says, priest, and they're talking about Father Malachi Martin, who read Third Secret of Fatima, says that Satan was enthroned at the Vatican in the early 1960s. So here's what I know, Kyle, and I want to get your take. Here's a, my my research into this and, and, and reading this. Uh, I have read from good Catholic sources <laughs> that uh, there are reports that Cardinal Bernardine of Chicago uh was a Satanist and a pedophile. There's a, it's very well documented. Church militant has some very good articles on this. So does uh, uh, TLDM.org. Uh, uh, they also have some very good articles on this. And we know that, that the Bishop Bernardine from Chicago said a Satanic Mass, and this is all documented. I have the links to all this, where he, uh, where he raped an 11-year-old child in the fall of 1957 in Greenville, in Greenville, South Carolina, Father Joseph Bernardine raped 11-year-old Agnes as part of a satanic ritual that involved, among others, Bishop John Russell of Charleston. <clears throat> An in-depth church militant investigation turned up a career-long track record of accusations against former Chicago Cardinal Joseph Bernardine that not only was he a homo predator his entire career, but at, that at, various, at, at various stops 
in his career, many of those sexual assaults were tied to satanic rituals. <clears throat> As documents began to resurface uh, from deep within the archdiocese's secret files, it appears that Cardinal Bernardine was not just a homo predator throughout his career, but also involved in satanic practices, all of which the archdiocese covered up, as well as today's archbishop, Cardinal Blaise Supich, covers it up. Bernardine's entire public career was one of was one of warm relationships with promoters of homosexuality. In fact, beyond his career and even and even his life, he explicitly requested the Chicago Gay Men's Chorus to sing at his wake. So this is all uh, I, I've got links to everything that I just said right here. Uh, have you heard about that occurring in 1957 in South Carolina, uh, Greenville? Kyle. It's factual. Um, and yes, I've not only heard about it, but I'm a pretty skeptical kind of a guy, but I also can recognize patterns. The last of those victims are dying. Um, we have dealt with cases of satanic ritualistic abuse victims in their 60s, 70s, and one that was just into their 80s. But the Bernadine victims are dying, um, thanks be to God and, and, a, and a mercy. But many of these people were possessed and uh, through conscription because of Bernadine activities and activities that he and others. Now, understand, he is not. I wish I could tell you that he is an anomaly and he is a great deviation, but he is not. There were many. Chicago was was very um, there was a lot of these cases out of Chicago and there were satanic ritualistic abuse cases scattered all over. Um, they follow certain prelates as they, as they go across the country because they endorse and or participate in this. Understand something that, uh, pedophilia is, um, is a name that doesn't, is a designation that doesn't even begin to touch the evil that we're talking about. It is simply the only term that we can get our heads wrapped around um, quasi-psychological psych term that we, can, that we can use. But please understand something. Bernadine understood, as did Theodore McCarrick, as did others, that um, a priest, once his hands are, are anointed, he's ordained, everything he does has a ritualistic significance. And the way that one grows in stature and in influence on the evil side is through depravity, the greater depths of depravity, desecration of a child, the, the rape of a virgin child on an altar. This, these things, those depravities, Satanism is Catholicism turned inside out. And when a Catholic priest does it, this is of the ultimate magnitude. And when a cardinal does it, it is even greater the power that they wield. At any given time, there is a cadre of cardinals that are involved in active malefice, offering uh, satanic rite and ritual. It's just, it's the way it is. I can't, I can't tell you that it's not that way. Um, because it comes to us from the possessed. It comes to us from those who have been abused, there's no way these people scattered across the country or around the world could coordinate the stories that they're telling us. 
And it always, they're always naming the same individuals or describing them. Many times they don't even know who they are. Um, but the demon apes the church, all of her structures, all of her sacraments, all of her rites, all of her rituals. This is exactly what we were talking about with we don't have the stomach to deal with Satanism the way it should be. The Saracens, the death to all of God's, those who, who serve God. Because what would that look like in the church modernly today? It would be the immediate expulsion of all homosexual priests. It would be the immediate expulsion of anyone who was ever endorsed or backed by Theodore McCarrick. It would be the immediate expulsion of anyone who is endorsed or backed by Bernadine or who defends him. It would be the immediate expulsion of any priest, bishop, or cardinal actively promoting homosexuality or anything against the faith. That's what that looks like, and we don't have the stomach for it. Kyle, you just said that everything a priest does because he's ordained, you said it's it's a ritual in nature, correct? That's correct. Yeah, wow. Wow. You're listening to the Wednesday War Calls. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We'll continue this conversation. Uh, Next segment, I want to ask Kyle about uh, Malachi Martin. He had a lot to say about this as well. A lot about this, uh, uh, you know, some of these high-level prelates involved in in, uh, satanic ritual abuse. Uh, I want to get uh, Kyle Clement's take on Father Malachi Martin's words. Wednesday War Caller, Jess Romero. We'll be right back. Wednesday war call at Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Uh, back in the, I think back in the sixties, we were warned many, many years ago by uh, Malachi Martin. He was a former Jesuit who turned whistleblower, much like I would compare him, uh, much like a father John Carapi, much like a father James Altman. Uh, and Father Malachi Martin, he uh, he wrote a book, Windswept House where he documents that a black mass was held at St. Paul at St. Paul's Chapel within the Vatican walls on January 29th, 1963. Father Martin's on record as saying uh, it was uh, that it was a black mass or the traditional Latin mass in reverse, complete with an animal sacrifice. They drugged a young girl who may or may not have been the victim of ceremonial sexual rituals. The ceremony was not the Novus Ordo Mass because, in Father Martin's words, even the Satanists know that this Mass is not valid. I'm just, I'm just reading the article here. It's from bishopaccountability.org. Uh, Father Martin writes that the Black Mass was attended by high-ranking prelates in the church, important laymen, business leaders, and politicians. At least one cardinal was in attendance. A concurrent enthronement of Satan was held also in South Carolina on that date. Kyle, do you know about... This dual satanic mass, one being done in, inside the Vatican walls and one being done at South Carolina pretty much on the same date. Um, yes. Um, here's what I know about it. It, it has been con- confirmed, or I've heard it confirmed from uh, several exorcists, some of whom are no, uh, who are deceased, aged out. But 
they were hearing these things in uh, solemn sessions. Um, demon bragging. There was one such case in a rural part of America with an illiterate uh, victim who had been a victim of satanic ritualistic abuse at the hands of a priest um, in the United States. And so what was happening in the Vatican uh, was also happening at the same time in several dioceses in several locations. Um, and so that's the way uh, that, that Satan apes um, these things. And so these people, these victims would have this information and they would, the demon would say these things to the exorcist during solemn session. And the exorcist, of course, had no idea what was going on in Rome. They're not up on all of uh, Rome politics or any of those other things. But when they began to compare notes and begin to, to talk to each other, there was a common narrative. There was a, it, it's as if these people were relating uh, a common experience because the demons present to them, some of them had been present there. Some of them had um, been summoned and empowered because of the incantations and things that were done by these prelates. And so, you know, we're, we're at a stage, <clears throat> we're at a stage, Jesse, where um, the Satanists, the Freemasons and others for years used the term conspiracy theory and they, um, they dismissed us. Right. And I used to tell people I'm no, uh, I'm no theorist, uh, but I can recognize conspiracy. <laughs> and, at this point, really and truly, <clears throat> they have no credibility left. Um, and at this point, they, they simply have no credibility left. And just because of past history, now the most outrageous theory or premise must be given, must be given some consideration just based upon the, the track record of the opposition. Yeah, it's like you're always saying that the demons push human behavior to absurdity. And this is exactly what we're seeing here. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I believe, aside from what you just told me, which obviously uh, you're a very credible source in, in the area of spiritual warfare because of all your connections. But just for me, looking, looking as a juror or even looking as a cop with the eyes of a cop, I'd say, okay, so this happened in 1963. All right, uh, let's, let's take a look at, uh, at what's happened shortly thereafter. Well... Uh, in 1972, a pope said, Pope Paul VI, he says, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. All right. The smoke. Of, well, when did it enter the church? Could it have been in 1963? Then a few years after that, in 1976, another future pope, Carol, Cardinal Wojtyla, uh, uh two years before he became pope, he also said something similar. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church the gospel and versus the anti-gospel. Uh, this confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. So he says much the same thing. Then another year after that, 1977, Pope Paul VI, again, he says, uh, let us call him by his name, the devil. It is as if from some mysterious crack, uh, the smoke of Satan has entered the temple of God. The ta the tale of the devil is functioning in the disintegration of the Catholic world, the darkness of Satan has entered and spread throughout the Catholic Church, even to its summit. So you have three popes right after this 1963 event 
that Malachi Martin talks about, you got three popes that are telling us that Satan is infiltrated and Satan's come into the church. And uh, Father Malachi Martin, a little bit before he died in 1990, there's a radio interview of Father Malachi Martin on Triumph Communications where he says, quote, again, he never... He never reneged from what he said in 63. This is 30 years later. He's saying the same thing. He says in a radio interview, quote, there was this consecration, this enthronement of Satan within the Vatican, of Lucifer, by the way. It's a historical fact. It was done one particular day by a certain group of people representing Luciferians all over the world, especially American Luciferians. It was done... Therefore, in a certain sense, Lucifer has power. He doesn't own it yet, but I'm sure he hopes to own some pope as his man, close quote. So uh, there you have it, Kyle. You have right after this 1963 satanic ritual that occurred, you know, in two places in the Vatican and here in the U.S., uh, you got three popes right after that, a few years after that, telling us, warning us that Satan has entered into the church. Which to me gives credibility to what Malachi Martin says. Does that make sense? It absolutely does make sense, and you know you you can't make stuff up. I mean, you the real uh, it far outstrips anything that anybody makes up in in fiction. But he's exactly right. Um, the The church in the United States was compromised from the time of of the inception of the United States. But we've had times when there were uh, heretical popes. We've had times when there were, we've had all kinds of popes that um, were not good for the church. This may be the first time that we've got a satanic cabal in control uh, in the Vatican. Um, certainly in control, the Galian mafia, all of these things that we're looking at. Just simple math will tell you, you know, Jesus Christ himself handpicked 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. One of them was hitting for the other side. One of them was a was an agent, uh, a agent provocateur, was working for the other side. So that's one in twelve. If you take that same math over today, then um, you've got at least one in uh, you know one in twelve equates to between ten and sixteen cardinals that are hitting for the other side. Um, it's come out in solemn sessions. Uh, multi- Again, this is the main source of our information is to triangulate and see where stories are replicated, to see where things are replicated, to see um, under holy obedience and under holy threat of holy scourges. The diabolical does tell the truth when they're pressed and when they have to. Um, and so these stories have some credibility. They also know things that um, that's part of the idea of occult knowledge or understanding of occult knowledge is they know things that, that they couldn't possibly know. Um, and these accounts get corroborated. And so there has to be a certain amount of credibility. And so when you see these things over and over again, currently there are at least at any given time and has been since the 1960s, nine active cardinals involved in malefice um, being offered within the Vatican, within Vatican city. And that's been ongoing since the 63 consecration to that altar. Um, That that's just, we see that as being very credible um, because of the multiple 
ways, vectors, and sources that it's come from, and it seems to bear out. You also look at the efficacy. You can listen to some of Father's talks. The efficacy and, and rapidity with which exorcism was done at different times in the church, and then expulsion slows way down. Um, uh, liberation slow way, way down because the power uh, of the prayer, the power of the church um, is diminished uh, based upon what the patriarchy, what the hierarchy is involved in and what they're doing to not only diminish the power um, on the good side, but to increase the satanic influence. And so the church is now influencing more through satanic influence than it is through Christocentric influence, I would dare to say. When we're seeing the uh, aberration of social justice, we're seeing the misapplication uh, of um, an elevation of climate and earth to idle status. We're seeing the USCCB, all of our bishops being drawn away from their homes out of their diocese to participate in political matters, um, to look at things that are tenets of the truth, uh, tenets of the faith, begin to assail and modify those things. And so the idea that Satan, the smoke of Satan has entered, I think we got the whole dragon in the house. <laughs> Kyla, Father Gabriel Amorth in, in 2010, I mean, he passed away in 2016. He actually said, quote, uh, the devil is lurking in the very heart of the Roman Catholic Church. The devil is resides in the Vatican and you can see the consequences. That was Father Gable Amorth. He said that about six years before he passed away. Uh, of course, some people are saying, oh, no, no, that was a, a you know, a, a irresponsible statement by Father Amorth. Irresponsible? Are you kidding me? I think he was, uh, he was uh, just sounding the alarm. He was being a John the Baptist. Kyle, thanks a lot, well, brother. Father, Go ahead. I just wanted to make one comment. Father Amorth, Father Bamonte, many of the others who practice uh, exorcism in and around Rome, their information is coming the same place as it's coming from us. Is you got a 14-year-old girl who is possessed or an 11-year-old boy who is an altar server who is possessed. And in solemn session, the demon is naming the priest, naming the cardinal and others that are engaged in the black mass that conscripted or inserted that demon into the body of that child. That's what those guys are hearing. That's what we're hearing. Thanks a lot, brother. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Wednesday War College. Up next, Gary Matute, Hands on Apologetics. Pray a rosary every day. Stay close to Jesus. Live in a state of grace. Read your Bible every day. And remember, become holy or die trying. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time.